Welcome into the week nine edition of the Fantasy Football Brothers podcast. My name is Blake, and I'm joined with my younger brother Carson. Uh, how you doing today? I'm doing very well. I'm ready for some great analysis. Okay, speaking of great analysis, how did our matchup go this weekend? Oh God, I was wondering what you were going to ask me, so that's what you were going to ask me. Um, yes, yeah, so Blake and I faced each other in our main league, and he beat me um, by, it looks like, 17 points. And we were watching the games together Sunday morning, and we talked about it in the Week 8 matchup preview, how I had, or I guess the Thursday night recap, how Kyler did not do well for me, and Blake had Hopkins, but it was a bigger loss for me. But Sunday morning, everything was going right for me, and we'll talk about all these players today. But I had Stefan Diggs, Deontay Johnson, uh, Robert Woods, and Michael Pittman Jr. all just like having great starts of the day for me. And then um, the rest of my team kind of slacked off. And then I was going into the Sunday night matchup down 36 with a little bit of hope because I had Zeke and Dalvin Cook, but it didn't turn out for me. So uh, yes, Blake took the took the win on this one. Yeah, I took the win in the matchup, but I feel like I lost. I lost oh. Derrick Henry and Calvin Ridley oh, yes. on Sunday. So, really, I'm not sure who really wins in that scenario because yeah. I, my roster, I, I'm in such a bad position this week. i got to fill in, like, four different spots um, just with buys and... Uh, injuries, so it it's a tough it's a tough look for me moving forward. Yeah, your record may be better, but I like the outlook of my team <laughs> better, I guess, right now. For sure. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's get on to the actual topic of the show, Week Nine. Let's start with the buys: Lions, Seahawks, Buccaneers, and the Washington Football Team. So, uh, let the audience know who they're missing this week. Yeah, and I guess you can add on to anyone I'm. Uh, I miss, but as far as um, people that are in most or rostered in most leagues, uh, DeAndre Swift probably is the only super fantasy relevant option on the Lions. Uh, with the Seahawks, I mean, oh T.J. Hawkinson too. Oh yes, T.J. Hawkinson. I forget about him because we don't use I tight know. ends. Tight ends. <laughs> yes, he's valuable in leagues that have tight ends for sure. Um, Seahawks, Wilson and Carson are both still out, but you got Metcalf and and Lockett. Um, yeah, the ghost of Tyler Lockett showed up last yes, week. Yes, those are definitely the uh, startable players for them. Buccaneers, there's a whole lot of people. Their entire fantasy offense. I mean, Brady, Fournette, uh, Antonio Brown, even though he's been dealing with injuries. Gronkowski, even though he's been dealing with injuries. Godwin, Mike Evans, a lot of people on that team. And on Washington, I mean, Antonio Gibson's not looking good, but I guess he's <laughs> he's a fantasy-relevant yeah. option. Um, McLaurin definitely is. Seals Jones has been, but I think Logan Thomas is set to return next week. So, I mean, it's definitely the Buccaneers that are the biggest team out of these four that are that you'd be missing the most people from. Do you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're they're a solid offense. I've got Brady and Godwin on by this week on uh, my own personal team. So, yeah, I'm going to be missing them this week, and hopefully, I can. Uh, scrape things together as the rest of our uh, listeners can as well yeah the only person i have on by is chris carson and he's in my ir spot anyways so not too bad for me <laughs> um i guess we'll move on to the thursday night football matchup which is the jets and the yeah. colts 
Exciting um, matchup, right? Yeah, super exciting. Uh, maybe for Pittman, but we'll talk about him later. Uh, we added some defensive stats because so that it's more of a matchup preview, like the title says, so hopefully you all enjoy that. But I'll start with Mike White. Crazy day. Now, I'll ask you a question real quick. Are they... Is, like, everything pointing towards them still starting Zach Wilson when he's healthy? I don't know, but I think the, I think the expectation is that they... Uh, it's difficult because you know they use the second overall pick with him. They can't they can't bench him for Mike White or Joe Flacco or anyone like that. I think that they drafted him with the intention of him starting, and I think they're just gonna have to take their lumps with him as he develops at, into a professional quarterback. Yeah, I mean we'll talk about Mike White and his amazing day just because like he was drafted in 2018, so he's still relatively young. But before Week Eight, where he filled in for Zach Wilson when he got injured. His only NFL experience was preseason games. I think I'm remembering that correctly. So this is kind of like, as far as the average... Uh, this, this this was his first NFL start. Yeah, as far as the average football fan, he's a nobody. But he had an amazing day. 82.2% completion percentage. That's incredible. And I, I remember like he started the game, I think, with 10 straight completions. And then his like next two passes were like interceptions or something. But... 37 yeah. for 45, 405 passing yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. But I know at least one of those interceptions was like a tipped pass from his own receiver. So like it wasn't even his yeah. fault. He had an amazing day against the Bengals, like a team that is certainly not even a pushover. So right. um, I guess like, I guess we kind of already talked about this. Mike White can't be a viable fantasy option going forward because I think they're still going to put Wilson ahead of him. Just because of like well, the draft capital they used, he's not going to he's not going to replace like you're not going to replace him as your starter week to week. But I, I think that he has the potential, and of course we've only seen one game from him. But and the Colts defense are you know they're they're no pushover either. Um, I I'd be a little surprised if he has a similar outing this week, but. Uh, as long as Zach Wilson is out, presumably Mike White's the guy, and I mean he's done well with it so far. But maybe maybe hold off one more week before you uh, try to pick him up. Yeah, I guess the only issue is if you hold out one more week, it could be Zach Wilson coming back. As far as what I'm reading is for when he's set to return. But interesting nonetheless. You have to remember this is still the Jets' offense, so that hurts their fantasy value. So I guess I'll trans uh, transition to Michael Carter, who had 15 carries for 77 yards and a touchdown, and nine receptions for 95 yards for a total of 32.2 fantasy points. I think he was either the number one fantasy running back for week eight or, like, number two. He was, like, in, you know, they post, like, perfect lineups for the best in each position, and he was yeah. in there. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case because there were a lot of big names. I mean, just three three players on our teams combined between uh, Dalvin, Zeke, and uh, Derrick Henry. Yeah. I mean, those those are those are guys that are usually in that top contender spot, and none of them showed up. So I'm not surprised by Michael yeah. Carter with the game he had being top. And yeah, Carter led the team in targets, 14. You know, I love that. Added his third rushing touchdown of the season. But you have to remember, this is the Jets' offense. So I'll ask you: Do you think fantasy managers that have Michael Carter should they sell high on him, or do you think they'll be able to? I guess is a better question. I think yeah, that's that would be my concern is your ability to do so. Um, obviously, he is on a trajectory that is pretty uh, unprecedented for him so far. So 
I think, and I'm trying to pull up his uh, recent stats right now. So the past two weeks, I mean, he's been in double digits the past four weeks that he's played, but also has had a touchdown in three of those four games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's tough to say. I mean, they're past their bye. I don't know. Uh, let's see if he's... So he was drafted 94th in our league. Um I think at that at that draft position, you probably just ride it out. I don't see how anyone is going to be too eager to pick up a, uh, a Jets running back. He's yeah. probably more valuable on your team than anyone else will view him as. It's true. Like, i got to have Michael Carter. Yeah, I agree. That's probably not going through anyone's mind. Uh, we'll move on yeah. to the last player we're talking about on the Jets, Jamison Crowder. Very efficient day for him. Eight receptions, 84 yards, 16.4 fantasy points. Second most targets, only behind Michael Carter. Um, he could be, I mean, if you need some more wide receiver depth, he could be someone you pick up because I look as at long roster as roster Mike White, quick. As long as Mike White is the quarterback, I'm okay with you starting Crowder. And we got to remember, too, that uh, Corey Davis was out this game. That's true. Um, Jamison Crowder, that's, yeah, he's kind of had, he's played four games this season and has been high double digits or high single digits. So he's kind of been up or down. Um, but yeah, he's only rostered in 18% of leagues, so he could be a fine option. Again, I, I agree. Mike White, with this performance, you'd feel more comfortable at him, a quarterback with him for Crowder's value. But overall, before we transition to the Colts, and Blake already kind of mentioned this uh, for this matchup, but the Colts are kind of a middle-of-the-road defense. They're no pushover, but um, they're not like an insane, insanely strong you. defense. No, they don't scare you at all. Yeah. Uh, so middle yeah, I of the think road. They're, and really, their they're rush defense is their more... Uh, formidable if i if i remember correctly so yeah uh, it might have been maybe, but they they were overall maybe lower expectations for carter agreed agreed for sure uh we'll move but on he to has the that colts. passing game involvement yeah oh yeah. yes that's good move on to the colts jonathan taylor 16 carries for 70 yards and a touchdown three receptions for 52 yards 21.2 fantasy points uh taylor's fifth straight game with at least one rushing touchdown i'd say he's returning like from the beginning of the season you were kind of kicking yourself for drafting him so high, but I would say he's returning his value at this point. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, if you if you have a decent record after those first few games, uh, I think that you're happy to have him on your roster now. Yeah. Uh, I, I've continued to ask you about selling high, and I think that he continues to produce week after week. I, I think it's, uh, it's not as much of a fluke as I was uh, initially expecting. Yeah, since week four, he's only had one game under 20, and that game was 18 points. So his floor is, seems to be incredible. He, I will add, he's had a touchdown in every single one of those games, but three of those games he's had more than 100 rushing yards. So I think he's legit. I really do. Um, he doesn't get a ton of receptions, but a decent amount to like give him a better floor. He's position rank three, RB3 on the season, which I think is crazy. Wow. Um, yeah, that's really unexpected. I was surprised. He's drafted 14th in our league. I feel like that's... You're probably happy to have him now. Um, so we'll move on to my top performer of last week against Blake, Michael Pittman Jr., who had 10 receptions for 86 yards, two touchdowns, 30.6 fantasy points. He was, uh, I think, one of the top wide receivers of the week. I think he was also in that perfect lineup. Uh, led the team in targets at 15. <laughs> Love that. He's now wide receiver 11, which is crazy. Um, I remember mm-hmm. when I was saying that Last week, I didn't think he'd have another game with 12 targets if Hilton was there. Hilton didn't do much, and he did more than 12 targets. He had 15. 
Um, yeah, but, Hilton left that game with a concussion, and he's already yeah. been ruled out for this matchup. Yeah, I don't think you can trust him staying healthy, and it's just unfortunate for a player that used to be, you know, wide receiver one, fantasy-wise, um, in his prime. I will say, though, uh, even though I want to just ride high, I am ride high on this Pittman news, Wentz threw the ball 51 times, and that's the most times he's thrown the ball this season. Uh, before this game, his season high was 38, so this was like a pretty significantly high uh, throwing game for Wentz. But, I mean, you could just see out there, like, he was looking for Pittman every single play he was throwing the ball, and that's good to see for people that have Pittman. Uh, back-to-back games for Pittman with at least one receiving touchdown, and then the Jets' defense certainly does not scare you as they rank 27th in passing yards against meaning that they give up the most 275.3 yards per game passing yards per game um i guess i'll ask is Pittman legit i mean i i have a video on this fantasy app saying is Pittman nearing a wide receiver one in fantasy i mean what do you think about that <laughs> well like you said he's wide receiver 11 on the season so far he's getting there uh, yeah, it, it's definitely apparent that he's breaking out like you hoped he would. And uh, we, we did talk about Hilton and how he's not really reliable at this point. So if it's not Jonathan Taylor, it's Michael Pittman Jr. putting up the points. Yeah, I mean, as far as, I mean, your second-year breakout candidates, like Justin Jefferson, for example, like you expected him to do amazing, but... Pittman was one of those guys you thought could break out, and he's definitely doing that um, for what he originally was valued at. I mean, I drafted him 96, so I'm definitely happy with what he's done for me. Um, And then just overall, the Jets defense is very weak as they rank 28th in total yards against per game, 390.4 total yards per game, and 31st in points against per game, NFL points, that is. They give up 29.4 points, so they... They yeah, allow a lot of high-scoring games. Yeah, they allow a lot of high-scoring games, which is good for uh, Colts players this week. Yeah, so I'll move, and it's in Indianapolis, so that's that's another added bonus. Uh, we'll move uh-huh. on to the first Sunday game, which is the Raiders versus the Giants. And I guess I'll real quick start with Josh Jacobs. Uh, Raiders are on bye in Week Eight, but in Week Seven. Uh, Pretty sure Josh Jacobs left the game early of injuries, as he only had six carries for 29 yards. Luckily for people that started him, he had a rushing touchdown, and then three receptions for 39 yards. Monitor his injury status this week. Um, Peyton Barber, for people that have Kenyon Drake, I don't know if, I mean, you're definitely, he has more value if Jacobs gone, but actually the game that Josh Jacobs, or one of them that he missed earlier this season, Peyton Barber benefited much more from Jacobs' absence than Kenyon Drake did. Um, they kind of just use Kenyon Drake more as, I guess, a passing option and a receiving back. And Peyton Barber basically had like a 20-plus uh, rushing attempt game in Jacob's absence. So he kind of just plugs in as the rusher. Um, but it's a good matchup. Giants defense ranks 23rd in rushing yards, uh, given up 123.3 per game. So that definitely does not scare you in this matchup. And real quick... Yeah. Again, I guess um, well, go I'm, ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and say one thing before we move on to that next one, which is yeah. that uh, while yeah, Peyton Barber was kind of the guy in Jacob's place when Gruden was the coach. Oh, that's fair. Uh, since they've yeah, since they moved away from him, uh, Kenyon Drake has been getting a lot more involved. Um, just looking at his game log, he's got a lot more usage in weeks uh, six and seven than he did in that stretch um, where I was saying to drop him. 
because he uh, wasn't getting the job done. But yeah, um, it may be a coaching, uh, a, a difference in coaching strategy that would give Kenyon Drake a more a better opportunity than Peyton Barber if uh, Jacobs were to miss. Yeah, that's definitely fair. But I mean, people that aren't aware of like Peyton Barber's existence might think that it just might be the entire backfield for Kenyon Drake to have. And that's, I would say that's definitely not the case, but I do think yeah, that yeah. that has some significance that there is uh John Gruden's no longer there. And I guess I'll let you take over on the unfortunate Henry Ruggs news. Yeah. So this is uh, we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, the day of the NFL trade deadline. Uh, spoiler alert with that, nothing really important fantasy-wise happened, but something that did come out of today's news was that Henry Ruggs was involved in a fatal car crash where he was the driver, he showed signs of impairment, and he's likely going to be charged with a DUI resulting in a death, and it's extremely sad news. Um, our thoughts go out to the family of the victim. Just all thoughts go out to the victim. Yeah, yeah. Hunter Renfro in week seven had seven receptions for 58 yards, 12.8 fantasy points, led the team in targets with eight. Uh, Renfro is rostered in 58.2% of leagues, and I'll ask you, do you think he should be rostered in even more? Yeah, he's been he's proven himself to be reliable um, this season, uh, mostly a double-digit scorer, so, you know, a good flex to have on your lineup. Um, so, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, okay, and then Darren Waller, who was out for Week 7... Um, I guess monitor his injury status this week because he still has a designation at the moment. I think he's likely to play, um, but we'll probably talk more about that maybe on our fantasy news video that we'll upload on Saturday. Um, but Waller hasn't had a game even close to his performance in week one, but at the end of the day, he's still a must-start tight end if you have a tight end slot. Um, and it's also a pretty good matchup because the Giants' defense overall is relatively weak they don't have like a certain area rush or pass that is weaker than the other but they're just overall pretty weak and it's not a defense that scares you at all um yeah we'll move on to the giants daniel jones who could have been a streaming option for a few people this week but he didn't have an amazing game uh not awful but what's disappointing is that this should have been an easier defensive matchup against the chiefs um but jones performance wasn't very exciting 16.08 fantasy points in four point touchdown passing leagues he hasn't had a game this season with more than two passing touchdowns i mean you hate to see that that's almost like the Derek carr curse <laughs> even though he's been more uh effective with passing yards and then the raiders defense in this week's matchup they rank ninth in pass yards uh against 222.7 per game which is a very tough pass defense. So he's coming off a game where he didn't really take advantage of the Chiefs' uh, weaker defense, so I don't think you feel any better about this matchup. And then uh, Yeah, it's just unfortunate. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I think a big reason why the Chiefs were able to scrape out a win in that game is because the Giants are just so banged up. Um, yeah, but, yeah. Still without Saquon Barkley and... Uh, Sterling Shepard and Kadarius Tony were both in and out of that game, um, so it's just it's a bad situation um, for the New York Giants. And uh, as a Patriots fan, I, I don't mind seeing that, but yeah. uh, for for fantasy purposes of people who roster Giants players, I feel I feel for you. That's a yeah. lot. There's a lot of uh, talent that is not being utilized currently. 
and we'll talk about this more when we get to the Chiefs, I'm sure, but we said last week like we'd panic on them almost if they lost this game, and you still don't feel great because they barely squeaked that win out, but we'll talk more about them later. Uh, Devontae Booker had 15 rushes for 60 yards and 5 receptions for 65 yards, 17.5 fantasy points. Uh, Booker continues to be very reliable in Saquon's absence. Uh, Saquon could be on track to play in Week 9. However, the Giants could also be cautious and wait until Week 11 uh, because the Giants have a Week 10 bye, so they might just you know hold him out until then to make sure he's fully healthy. And yeah, I've even heard I've even heard that they may uh, just completely uh, shut him down for the season. So that's an option too. <laughs> really? Yeah, don't uh, don't drop Booker anytime soon. We'll say that. Wow. Okay. So yeah, definitely keep Booker. I mean, it's similar. It's similar to the Chris Carson situation. I see. Yeah. It's it's it could go either way, which is really strange. Yeah. As yeah. far as if he's coming back in you know a week or two or not at all this season, very strange nonetheless. But Booker has proven to be a very valuable handcuff. So even if Saquon's back. And kind of taking over all the production, I still wouldn't drop Booker. Um, at least if you, I mean, if, especially if you have Saquon, um, definitely keep Booker on your lineup. Uh, Raiders defense is very bad against the run. Uh, 29th in rush yards against per game, 131.3 per game. So that's a good matchup for whoever is starting at running back. Uh, we'll move on to the pass catchers for the Giants. None of them had a good game uh, against the Chiefs. Each of Daniel Jones's passing touchdowns went to tight ends, Evan Ingram and Kyle Rudolph, and yeah. they've very fantasy irrelevant, so they kind of just vulture the touchdowns. Uh, I see right here Sterling Shepard at 6.5 points, Kadarius Tony 7.36 because he completed a pass, so that's why he has a weird uh, score. Uh, but Daniel Jones only completed 23 passes, and the target leaders were Sterling Shepard of 7, Devontae Booker of 6, and Kadarius Tony with 5. So I guess I'll ask you, can you trust any Giants pass catcher to be reliable week to week? Well, the trouble is that these guys aren't coming into the game fully healthy most yeah. of the time. Uh, Sterling Shepard left the game with a quad injury, and Kadarius Tony left briefly uh, with a finger injury. He got his uh, one of his fingers stepped on, and it was bleeding, and so they mm. had to deal with that. Um, but it's difficult to say. I mean, Sterling Shepard has been, we've seen really good things from him earlier this season when he was fully healthy, and Kadarius Tony even had a few games, although I'm not I'm not really a believer in him yet. I yeah. think that he's more of a uh, product of circumstance rather than standalone talent, Yeah. Um, at, at least what we've seen initially. But either way, like I said before, it's a very difficult time for Giants fantasy players to be relevant with uh, all the injuries they're dealing with. For sure, and speaking of all those injuries, monitor Kenny Galladay's injury because he has a chance to return this week, and he's been out for a while with a knee issue, I believe. Um, yes, thank you. And just to reiterate, Raiders have a much stronger pass defense than run defense, so keep that in mind as you deal with Giants players this week. Um, move on to Falcons-Saints divisional matchup. Uh, we already talked about this a bit but uh, at the beginning. But Calvin Ridley, stepping away from football at this time to focus on his mental health. And yeah, I want to, you know, be sensitive to this because obviously if he's dealing with an issue, it's much smarter for him to step away than to just force himself for, you know, whoever has him in fantasy. So who cares about yes. that? But from a yes. purely fantasy perspective, 
who on this Falcons teams do you think benefits the most from this news, or like, is it a few people dispersed amongst them? I think it's got to be Kyle Pitts and Cordero yeah. Patterson. I think those are the two players that, after this news, although Kyle Pitts had a very weak showing, um, I think those are the two players that you can count on to kind of pick up the slack uh, moving forward. Yeah. Uh, in my, in our matchup this past week, I had to pivot uh, when I couldn't start Ridley because I got those that news before kickoff. So I picked up, um, I picked up <laughs> Russell Gage. Russell Gage, and he got zero targets. So that was frustrating to watch, um, especially in the early slate of games when all your players were going off. But yeah. it ended up working out. Um, yeah, it did. But yeah, it's 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 Cordero Patterson. It's Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I agree with that. And just to reiterate their performances, or I guess to tell you about the performances in Week 8, uh, Patterson and Mike Davis had near-identical uh, stat lines. Nine rushes for both of them, five receptions for both of them, but Patterson found the end zone, uh, so he had a better day. But keep in mind, this Saints defense is very good against the run. Their run yardage uh, allowed per game is 79.4, very low. So keep that in mind when you start either one of them i'd say for patterson and even for davis since he matched patterson I this think week it, it affects yeah, them I less it hurts, i think okay, it hurts ahead. davis more than it hurts patterson yeah, for sure i was just gonna say it, it, it doesn't hurt patterson as much because he has so much versatility but i would say that davis actually showed that he was involved in this passing game which probably was just them you know quickly pivoting from the ridley news but yeah patterson's yeah. receiving work is probably much more uh, you trust it much more. Uh, Kyle Pitts, as Blake briefly mentioned, didn't have a great day. Two receptions, 13 yards. Matt Ryan only completed 20 passes, um, so that's a part of it. Better days are definitely ahead for Pitts, I agree. But <laughs> you mentioned Russell Gage had zero targets, but what do you make of Tajay Sharp's performance on five receptions for 58 yards? I really don't think much of it at all, to be honest. I think that... Uh... You know, obviously uh, Matt Ryan struggled in com you know completing passes. I know that he probably had a lot of uh, pass attempts in this game, but uh, yeah, I, I don't really think much of it to be honest. I don't think he's worth picking up. I think it's uh, I think it's Patterson and Pitts. Uh, yeah, as far as fantasy relevant. But if you had to like, is the next best pass catcher after Patterson Pitts should it be Gage? But is there just like impossible to tell right now? I, I don't know. I mean, based on what we saw yesterday, it's it's sharp, but I don't really feel confident in that. Yeah, and then Saints defense, keep in mind, uh, ranks 22nd in passing yardage allowed per game, 264.9. So they have a much stronger run defense than pass defense, but they don't allow too many fan, er, NFL points, uh, ranking 4th in that department, only allowing 18.3 NFL points. Yeah, um, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a tough game for Atlanta. I, I agree. I agree. Uh, with the Saints, some unfortunate news is Jameis Winston. Winston is out for the season after he's tore his ACL and damaged his MCL. So that definitely hurts. Uh, is Taysom Hill like definitely not eligible for this week? Do you know anything? Uh, he's he's currently questionable to return. Uh, with a concussion. ESPN. Right? Yes, ESPN projections show Trevor Simeon as the starting quarterback, but as far as I know, that has not been officially uh, determined from Sean Payton. Okay, interesting. I would, I mean, Simeon probably has no value. 
Uh, but Taysom Hill. I just got I just got a notification saying I that the Broncos too. have placed Noah Fant on the reserve COVID list. Yes. Um, but that's all the news I have on that. Do you know if he's vaccinated off the top of your head? I have no idea. Um, I guess okay. we'll talk. They don't play till Sunday, so we'll talk more about that um, in our Saturday upload. Um, if that yeah. will actually affect his game. But I just got that too. Um, yeah, going back to the Saints, I don't think Simeon has any value fantasy-wise. Um, but Taysom Hill, I think, definitely does uh, if he holds on to the starting role, as he should for whenever he's healthy in this offense, just because of like his his rushing floor. Um, yeah. So keep that and in mind. We saw, and when we saw that stretch of games, that uh, four games last season when Taysom Hill got the start in place of Drew Brees, uh, we saw Alvin Kamara really struggle. I would say that it's more likely this season, if Taysom Hill gets his chance, that it, we won't see as dramatic of a decline from Kamara. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that Taysom has improved as a QB, so I think they'll prioritize getting Kamara involved in the passing game more, especially with them being down Michael Thomas still, so we can kind of transition into that if you'd like. Yeah, sure. I guess I'll just add real quick, Kamara's still a must-start. I think you were getting at that. Um, you feel better with Taysom over Simeon. But yeah, we'll talk about Michael Thomas. I mean, uh, you just monitor his injury status this week because he went from thinking he'd come back after their bye in week six or seven? Seven? Seven was the, yeah, expectation for him to return off the PUP. Yeah, and then coming out of the bye, they're like week to week. So he has a fantasy projection, right? So, but you just have to keep an eye on him. I feel like if he's healthy and he's playing, you're definitely starting him. So, I guess that's yeah, all there absolutely. is to say. I mean, uh, the Saints are desperate for pass catchers, and we, we continue to talk about how Marquez Callaway is uh, a disappointment uh, given his opportunity so far this season. And I think the addition of Mark Ingram allows the Saints to kind of incorporate Kamara more in the passing game in terms of actually lining him up as a wide receiver. Um I think they've already done that a bit in the past game with Ingram uh, getting involved on the ground. Uh, so, yeah, I would say that you, once Michael Thomas is active, I think he's a must-start like yeah. wide receiver too um, with upside. And, um, yeah, the Falcons' defense, not great. I think this is going to be a blowout. Yeah, and just to emphasize what Blake was saying about them needing more pass catchers, and this – to be honest, could have a little bit to do with Simeon stepping in, but 11 different Saints players registered a target. It just shows that they don't have a go-to guy as far as passing plays. And Michael Thomas would certainly fill that role. Um, Falcons have a stronger pass defense than red defense, but they allow a ton of NFL points, so I agree that this probably will be a blowout in the Saints' favor. Uh, We'll move on to Bills, Jaguars. Another blowout, most likely. Um, But we also thought about thought that about the Bengals Jets last week so you never know but the Bills Josh Allen 29.46 fantasy points uh he's a must-start quarterback uh the Bills play the Dolphins yeah that game was much in week eight it was weirdly close weirdly closer than the final score leads you to believe um but it reminded you that this backfield is a split timeshare between Moss and Singletary and Josh Allen so I don't think Moss and Singletary have any value um, at least, I mean, they're probably worth rostering, but as far as just week-to-week value, they don't have any. But well, that being said, I, I, go ahead. Zach Moss, I think, had double digits 
he was a double-digit scorer. Yeah, he he had a good um, stretch. He did, and it was a stretch that, uh, in just like the no, past. No, but even in this past game. I I don't in think this he, past game he scored eleven point eight points. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he didn't have a horrible game. I, well, I he had a better feel... game than Emmanuel Sanders. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll move on to that later. Um, I feel I definitely feel better about Moss and Singletary, but just what yeah. Allen does. And in already like pretty split carries between Moss and Singletary, and then Allen just uses his legs a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, what you're alluding to is Allen had eight carries for 55 yards and a touchdown, yeah. so he had kind of like a Singletary-like line. Yeah, basically. Line. He's stealing value from the other uh, running backs. But there could be enough to go around because Jaguar defense ranks 28th. Oh, that's not running. Never mind. I don't think there was enough to go around because they'll probably be... Uh, using all of their passing power because Jaguars' defense ranks 28th in passing yards against uh, per game. But we'll move on to the pass catchers. Stefan Diggs, five receptions, 40 yards, a touchdown, 15 points, not bad. Um, but for a fantasy wide receiver one, his day was kind of salvaged by a reception touchdown, and that was only his third this season. I mean, this is just not the Stefan Diggs that we saw last season. Um, but he's yeah, still cer- certainly not the digs that you drafted on draft night. No, I, he's still returning value, and he's a must start. But he's position ranked twenty two. Um, but he's only had one game that was single digits, so he's he has a reliable floor. He's just not you know having Stefan Diggs games. He's not having big games like that. Um, a player that did have a big game though in week eight was Cole Beasley, who had ten receptions for a hundred and ten yards for a smooth twenty one fantasy points. Led the team in targets of 13, um, but Beasley's been weird this season. He's had three games uh, with four or less targets and three games with 13 targets. So he's been interesting. Um, definitely worth definitely worth a roster spot. But Emmanuel Sanders, as Blake was alluding to earlier, uh, Sanders had four targets but caught none of them. Uh, what do you make of this goose egg of a fantasy day for Emmanuel Sanders? Um, I consider it a fluke. I think that Sanders has been very reliable so far this season. So really what to, the takeaway from this is that he had a bad game, but he's been double-digit scoring in the previous four and 20-plus in two of those four. So I, I'm not worried about him, honestly. I mean, he some of those numbers have been inflated by touchdowns, but uh, the Bills, like we mentioned, the Bills throw a lot of passes. They throw... Most or most of their scores are through the air if Josh Allen isn't running them in. So uh, I'm not I'm not worried about Sanders. It's a, it's an unfortunate day for him, um, but I, I think you fire him back up against the Jaguars. Yeah, I completely agree, and I agree with that too. The Jaguars are a very weak defense, so he should uh, go back up to what he was doing before this week. Uh, so move on to the Jaguars. Uh, James Robinson left the game early, so monitor his injury status this week. Uh, in weeks three through six, Robinson averaged 21.7 fantasy points, so he's been on a very good stretch. Um, so yeah, if he's playing, even though this is a tough defense, the Bills defense ranks fifth in rushing yards uh, given up per game at 86.6. So it's a tough matchup, but I think he's proven his value as a, a running back that you're always going to have in your lineup. Uh, we'll move on to the only other player I'll talk about specifically. Marvin Jones had five receptions for 35 yards, uh, 8.5 fantasy points in week eight. 
uh, Trevor Lawrence threw the ball 54 times, but Jamal Agnew, Dan Arnold, and Carlos Hyde were the most targeted players. So, really weird game. Uh, and the Bills' defense ranks first. They are the toughest team to pass against. They only allow 182.4 passing yards per game. And uh, I guess this doesn't have to be specific to this matchup because it's a really tough one. But in general, do you trust any Jaguars player for fantasy besides James Robinson? Uh, I would say trust is a strong word in this case. <laughs> That's uh, true. The Jaguars have had very puzzling wide receiver output so far. Um, yep. Whenever you think that it's going to be a week for Marvin Jones or even your boy LaVisca Chenault yeah. Jr., <laughs> uh, they just don't they just don't deliver, and so it's 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 difficult to trust anyone besides James Robinson. I think that's a I think that's a good assessment. Yeah, and I think the Jaguars are gonna get just destroyed in this game uh it's gonna be really hard for them really hard for trevor lawrence this bill's defense is you know in contention for being one of the best defenses in the league overall so uh i mean at least it's in jacksonville <laughs> guess that's something uh we'll move on to the next game browns Bengals division matchup uh nick chubb had 16 carries for 61 rushing yards and one reception for 18 yards, totaling to 7.9 fantasy points. Eight yards. Oh, what'd I say? 18. Oh, yeah, eight. Eight passing yards. Uh, eight receiving yards. Fewest <laughs> rushing yards in a game this season zero for Chubb. Zero passing yards. <laughs> yeah, zero passing yards. He didn't do that this game. <laughs> Fewest rushing yards in the game this season for Chubb and had a rushing touchdown... Something popped on my screen. Had a rushing touchdown vultured by Dearness Johnson. Uh, and the Bengals' defense are tough against the run, ranking 7th in rushing yards, given up per game, 94.4. Um, but, I mean, Nick Chubb, he's still Nick Chubb. I think he bounces back from this. Um, I, yeah, you know. I, would, I would say that considering he had 16 carries, he had, I mean, he's getting his pretty typical workload. Um, I think just a bad, I think just a, you know, an unlucky day. So I, yeah. I'm not worried about Nick Chubb. Agreed. Odell Beckham Jr., someone we thought could have been traded today, but was not. Uh, one reception for six yards. He caught, cough, he caught his sole target of the entire game. Um, but I would say bench him until he proves himself. And the Bengals yeah, defense. Yeah, we've been, we've yeah, been but, saying that for weeks now. We have. That, that these two pass catchers are touchdown dependent um mostly like i mean you can flex them but you're not going to feel good about it yeah and i'd say you feel better about jarvis landry um just because in this past week nobody boomed in this entire browns offense against the steelers but landry was productive in his second game back with 10 targets and he had 10 fancy points um he had a fumble which hurt his points total but um yeah i don't even think i need to ask you that question y you don't feel super comfortable starting a pass catcher in this offense um unless you think hunt is a pass catcher because of all the receiving work he gets but yeah hunt and chubb are the only reliable people in this offense when they're both healthy or either one of them Bengals have a strong rush defense a stronger rush defense than a pass defense and but they only rank sixth in nfl points against only allowing 19.5 per game so a tough defense we'll move on to the yeah. Bengals. joe burrow Weird game against the Jets. Weird loss. Like, they were top of the AFC, uh, I believe, as far as just, like, rankings going into this game. And they lost in New York to the Jets. Joe Burrow, 
21 for 34, 259 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, which is good, but one interception, 20.26 fantasy points. Strange loss for the Bengals, as I've already said, um, but luckily the Jets threw three turnovers and set up Cincinnati to have some red zone plays that allowed Burrow to have a uh, productive day, but not an amazing day like he has had in the past few weeks. And the Browns... Browns defense are strong against the pass, ranking 7th in passing yards given up per game, 220.1 yards per game. Um, so not an amazing matchup for him, but I still feel like he'll bounce back from whatever last week was. Um, but yeah, that should have been a big game from last week, so it's disappointing for people that may have started him. Uh, Joe Mixon had a very good day, though. 14 rushes for 33 yards. Very inefficient, but a rushing touchdown. And four receptions for 58 yards and a touchdown, amounting to 25.1 fantasy points. Um, the emergence of Mixon as a more of a dual-threat running back has been interesting, as he had only uh, one reception in, I think, each game in weeks two through five, but five receptions in week six and four receptions in week eight. And in this game, no other Bengals running back registered a carry, so they just didn't run a whole lot. And the Browns' defense are a strong defense against the run, ranking third in rushing yards. Uh, against per game, only allowing 84.8 rushing yards. Still, though, that makes you feel good about uh, uh, Perrine not getting involved in the running game. Yeah. Because that was something we discussed last week about how they basically split carries, and at least from that perspective, you feel better about Mixon moving forward. Yeah, for sure. That's why, yeah, that's why I made sure to mention that. He didn't have a ton of carries, but as far as what the whole offense was doing, he had all of them as far as running backs are concerned. And just for all the pass catchers, I mean, <laughs> the, the Tyler Boyd discussion every single week is so sad. Blake benched him, and he did the best out of all three of the Bengals wide receivers. I mean, uh, even even so, I still think, I mean, Jamar Chase is a must-start, even though he did the worst out of them three. Not a horrible day. Higgins, I think, is flex value, Um, I guess. And Boyd, I just don't think you can ever trust him. And do you think, I mean, you're you're a fantasy manager that has Tyler Boyd. What's your assessment on him, uh, I guess, going into just this week? Well, I think that, I think that this might be the potential for a turnaround. I know that we've probably thought that earlier in the season as well, but he really hasn't had a game like he had this past week um, in a while. It's been... Uh, three solid weeks without a touchdown um, or a good amount of yards through the air. Uh, he had eight targets this game. I don't know. I, you don't feel confident, certainly, starting him after this game, um, given the ones preceding it. But I think that if you if you need to if you need to start him this week, uh, given the matchup. The Browns, I think that they're going to have to throw the ball on them. So, yeah, um, I, you know, I, I don't feel great about it, but I think that it's, uh, it's a, uh, it's a flex consideration. Yeah, for sure. And I will say something to add: like, you might have felt this way about Boyd that he was, you know, going to have value early on in the season. But what's significant about this game is that I think this is the first game he's had a really good day with Chase and Higgins being healthy, like all of the options being out there. So that, I mean, that's somewhat reassuring, but it's just tough to evaluate him. Um, if he has another big game next week, maybe we'll have a different conversation with him. But yeah, it's tough to tell. And 
Browns. The Browns have a very strong defense, but as Blake already said, passing against them is a little bit easier than rushing. So maybe that the, those all of the pass catchers will have a decent floor. Um, we'll move on to Patriots Panthers. Um, <laughs> I feel about the Patriots being the Chargers. We didn't think that would happen. <laughs> yeah, I feel great about it. I um, it was great to see. I and uh, I had Damian Harris on my roster. I was telling you that. He had, uh, man, I'm telling you, every time that Harris broke a big run or something happened, he the the play would get called back for holding. Yeah, I think it was tough. something like, I think it was something like it was one touchdown, and I want to say like 50 yards that were turned away from penalties. So he could have had a much bigger day. He's really talented. I, I like how he's playing this season and. Uh, he doesn't have a ton of usage in the passing game, but he is a reliable runner. He's efficient with his touches in that regard, So, and they like using him at the goal line, like I said last week. I, I like him as a player. I'm I'm uh, pleased with how he's been performing. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's going to make you feel good as a Patriots fan. He's only 24. I don't think they're going to be looking to replace his role just as like the pure rusher on the team. So um, it's good that they might have found their there you know as far as a running but he doesn't get a lot of receptions i guess is what i'm getting at so he's not extremely versatile so they need to have their other guys that are receiving backs but as far as a rushing running back i mean i feel like you feel confident with him um in fantasy and just on an nfl team uh harris's this was harris's first game in week eight that he had 20 plus carries since week one he didn't have a single reception um and hasn't had more than two receptions in a game all season um, and I think I'm already getting at this, and I just want to know if you agree. Do you think Harris doesn't have a high floor, but he has, or no, he has a high floor but a low ceiling? Do you agree with that? Um, no, I wouldn't agree with that. I think that I mean, if 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 things had broken differently in the past few games, he would have a high ceiling. He would have yeah. like uh. He would have multi-touchdown games um, in consecutive weeks, and he, I mean, really the floor from the passing game is non-existent, but he is a, yeah. like I said, he, he gets used a lot in the rushing game. So I, I, think, guess... I think he's a, I think he's like a top 15 back. I said that last week. I still feel confident in that assessment. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. And I think what keeps, I guess, raises the ceiling is that he's their go-to goal line rusher, and he's getting all the carries. So he's gonna yeah. have the production. So I agree with that. I noticed, yeah, I noticed that you didn't include it in the notes, but I do want to quickly mention that uh, maybe maybe slow your roll on the Brandon Bolden being the new James White. He had zero targets, and zero <laughs> catches. That was trying to just like tempt you. I didn't actually think that, and I, I knew you wouldn't think that either. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I I don't buy it with with Brandon Bolden. I think it was just like I said. I think I think Robert Kraft could have gotten involved in that game against the Jets and been good. So, um, I think if you're gonna roster a Patriot running back, it should be Damian Harris and no oh, one else really. A hundred percent. I was just maybe I was wondering if maybe he could break out as having PPR value, but no. As far as a Patriots running back, it's definitely Damian Harris. Uh, we'll yeah. move on to Jacoby Myers. Not an amazing day for him. Only nine point seven fantasy points, but. He once again led the team in targets with nine and found the end zone, but on a two-point conversion. Um, That's two so, on the season for him. Yeah, 
still a nice. He's getting little... comfortable. He's getting comfortable catching the ball in that area. Yeah, he just needs to make it for a touchdown. <laughs> They're warming him up to it. Um, but yeah, it's a nice little bonus. But I mean, when this guy starts getting receiving touchdowns, I just think he's going to be scary. Honestly, as far as fans, you mean if right? No, not if. Win. <laughs> There's no way if the production and the targets he gets, he does not find the end zone. Yeah, obviously, as a Patriots fan, I want him to be successful, but I'm just teasing you because I know you yeah. roster him. Yes. Um, that being said, though, this week might not be the best for him. Panthers' defense uh, are the second toughest to pass against as they only allow 188.9 passing yards per game. So the Panthers overall have a very strong defense, but a noticeably stronger pass defense than rush defense. Uh, I guess we'll move on to the Panthers. Chuba Hubbard, 24 carries for 82 yards and a touchdown, and run reception for 9 yards, amounting to 14.1 fantasy points. Uh, second game this season where Hubbard had 24 carries. Carolina rushed the ball 47 times. That almost feels like a typo, but, I mean, I, I remember that being true. Yep. Stats <laughs> are stats. Stats are stats. And But, that being said, Christian McCaffrey is on target to return for this Week 9 matchup. Um... He's, I mean, it's not confirmed that he'll be playing, but it's likely, I would say, from yeah, what he's trending towards. Yeah, it's the expectation going into the week. Yeah, Yeah. so that hurts Hubbard a lot. But again, kind of similar to Devontae Booker, you got to hold on to him. Um, especially since McCaffrey, I mean, with last season and this season combined, he's starting to have some injury issues. So Hubbard definitely has value as a strong handcuff. Um, yeah, so we'll move on to DJ Moore who only had 9.9 .9 fantasy points. It's so sad to see him just, like, plummet. Um, but he, DJ Moore led the team in, eight, in targets with eight. Uh, Sam Darnold only completed 13 passes before sustaining a concussion near the end of the game. I think it was the fourth quarter. Uh, so I'll ask you, do you think fantasy managers should buy low on DJ Moore? You can certainly try. I'm not sure that managers of DJ Moore are going to be uh, open to the idea. Uh, he's had... Uh, the reality is that Sam Darnold has just been really awful the last two weeks. I mean, he hasn't yeah. thrown over 130 yards. Ever since we started or... the podcast, he heard us praising him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no passing touchdowns and less than 130 passing yards in each of the two games previous uh, that's where the that's where the stem of the issues are coming from. So, uh, I mean, DJ Moore is talented, but it, I, if anything, it get, goes to show you. And we can, I mean, not that a lot of people care, but uh, you shouldn't trade away good running back talent for a wide receiver that is kind of blowing up unexpectedly. And I'm referencing the trade involving Joe Mixon and DJ Moore in our <laughs> league. Not one for so, one, but yes. No, but it was it was a mostly lopsided running back wide receiver. Uh, like one side was giving up running back and one one side was giving up wide receivers. So I'm just saying, I think that, I mean, DJ Moore will obviously bounce back once Darnold figures it out, but uh, I don't think it's against the Patriots this week. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I agree. I think Robbie Anderson's droppable. I think you would agree with that. Zero receptions on one target, drop him. I feel like we've said that a few weeks now. Uh, yeah. You can, I mean, 
DJ Moore's not even doing amazing, so how could you even trust anyone else? So, yeah. Uh, Page defense is relatively middle of the road, but they don't allow too many NFL points, ranking fifth, only allowing 19 NFL points per game. Uh, move on to next matchup with his Broncos-Cowboys. And we have, start with the running backs, Javante Williams had 6.8 fantasy points, and Melvin Gordon had 19.2 fantasy points. Uh, Williams and Gordon, but that's a little misleading because Williams and Gordon, once again, had very similar stat lines, but Gordon found the end zone on the ground and through the air, and Williams didn't find the end zone at all. Gord, I was watching this game on Red Zone, but it was one of the like few games still going on, so they showed a lot of it. Like The yeah. Broncos almost choked away that game at the end. They had two fumbles and an incomplete pass on the final drive just to like run out the clock. It was yeah. it was honestly pathetic. It was awful. I, yeah, and this is against the Washington football team who are arguably one of the worst defenses in the league. It was just it was just a bad look for Denver. Yeah, and we'll move on to that when we talk about the pass catchers. It was just like it was pathetic. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Cowboys defense also ranked sixth in rushing yards against a game only allowing 88.3, so they're strong against the run. Yeah, uh, but we'll talk about. Dalton. Yeah, we did. We'll talk about the pass catchers for Broncos. None of them had double digits as far as fantasy relevant options. Uh, Sutton, Judy, and Fant. I didn't even think I would put Tim Patrick in this list, but he did the best out of uh, better than the other three. So yeah, he's he's sticking around. I don't know if I buy that, but I guess don't drop him if you have him and you haven't dropped him yet. Uh, but a weirdly underwhelming day for every Denver pass catcher in what should have been a great matchup against the uh, against Washington. Uh, no Broncos pass catcher. This was an interesting stat. No Broncos pass catcher saw less than three targets, and no Bronco pass catcher saw more than four across seven different pass catchers. So you either had three or four if you were targeted in the right. game. Really right. weird. Bridgewater was 19 for 26 on passing, so he was, you know, he was efficient, but he didn't throw the ball a whole lot. But that could turn around. I mean, you, you would have thought that this would have been a great matchup for him against Washington. But again, yeah. Cowboys defense ranks 28th in passing yards given up a game. So I definitely think that they're going to have another opportunity to throw more. Um, yeah, this was the this was the same kind of setup that we had for the football team matchup. So yeah. I don't really I don't really buy this offense. I think I mean obviously Cortland Sutton is the one that you trust the most. Jerry Judy's still kind of getting back on his feet with uh, being in actual games. Yeah. Uh, and we just learned that Noah Fant might miss this game potentially. So, I mean, there's a lot to discuss uh, going into the heading into the weekend. But yeah, I don't, you know, like we, we watched the Vikings struggle to complete uh, or to really score any touchdowns. And we'll reference that in a bit. But. Uh, I think that it's a worse matchup for the Broncos from that perspective. Yeah. So I agree. I, I, I would say lower expectations for this weekend and coming off of their past performance, maybe a little bit better, but also I wouldn't be surprised if it was a repeat performance. Yeah. And since we're talking about matchups, do you have any uh, news on Trayvon Diggs? I thought I read something saying that he avoided a major injury. So is he like good for this week or what's going on? Do you have any idea what's going on with him? Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, I thought so I read something. That might be something. He, we can talk about that 
later obviously yeah that might be something that might be something that comes up in the weekend episode so uh stay tuned on that that would definitely hurt that defense but yeah uh, don't know that concretely but we'll move on to the cowboys um Ezekiel Elliott didn't help me win my matchup only at 11.3 fantasy points not a horrible day for him he was just inefficient and didn't find the end zone 16 rushes for 50 yards and four receptions for 23 um but players that were efficient on the cowboys were their two main pass catchers cd lamb had six receptions for 112 yards for 17.2 fantasy points uh their replacement for dak prescott cooper rush seemed to have a decent game and uh kept the value for Lamb and Cooper, and Cooper had even more value than Lamb had this game, as he had eight receptions for 122 yards and a touchdown, 26.2 fantasy points. Uh, this is Cooper's best game since his week one performance against the Buccaneers, where he exploded. And Cooper led the team in targets of 13, and this was his first double-digit target game since that week one performance. So I think... You know, you trust C.D. Lamb, he's returning value, and Cooper might be trending upwards too. Um, obviously, you were still starting Cooper if you had him, but he had kind of a underwhelming patch, I guess I would say. But that could be turning around, and this Broncos defense doesn't scare you. I mean, the Broncos defense is not bad, so I'll, I guess I'll just say Broncos have a relatively strong defense. Uh, rank yeah, but six. now they're without, they're without Von Miller now. Yes. God dang it, Von Miller. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. Who got yeah. traded to the Rams. Yes, that is probably the biggest news for the trade deadline, but nothing was actually, like, fancy for, like, players that are in fancy, unless you have, like, yeah. IDP leagues or whatever. But, um, sure. yeah, that hurts the Broncos defense, who had been relatively strong, but uh, I think you trust... You know, you're rolling out Zeke. Well, they're rolling out. They're, uh, they they just got their first win, but they were four straight losses prior to that, right? They started the season in that stretch. Yes, I'm not saying that their first win of the season, but in that yeah, stretch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they won three straight, lost four straight, then won. Yeah. Okay. And it was against the football team. So. Yeah, and their uh, first three like games I said, were easy too. So. Yeah, I mean the Cowboys. The only, really, the only player that suffered from Cooper Rush being there, I think, was Dalton Schultz, who only had uh, yeah. two catches for eleven yards. But um, I think that it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a good game for the Cowboys to uh, to kind of pick on a Broncos team that now has a weaker defense than they previously had. Most likely, Von Miller will be missed. Um, I guess that's all I got. I'll let you take over and talk about the Vikings and the Ravens. All right, let's get into it. So let's start off with Kirk Cousins, who uh, hopefully, I mean, you know, considering that you had very few options, if you were able to find a replacement for Dak Prescott, uh, Kirk Cousins was uh, poised to be a good option considering his roster percentage and that. Uh, but he really didn't show up for you. Uh, 23 completions on 35 attempts. Only 184 yards and a touchdown for 13.16 fantasy points. Uh, if Did you watch any of this game, Carson? No, but I was following along with it just because I needed Cook and uh, Zeke to do well. And it just seemed like a, right. a game in a game that you thought could have been explosive from two really good offenses. It was quite the opposite. Yeah, a real defensive struggle for Minnesota, who only had one touchdown. Um, do you expect... Kirk Cousins to bounce back this week against the Ravens? I mean, I think 
I think he could. Even with that stat line, like, it doesn't wow you whatsoever. But he didn't have a bad game. Didn't throw an interception. Was, had a relatively decent completion percentage. Statistically, he was, still did well. He just didn't have the opportunity to get big plays or, you know, score a lot. So I, I think you do trust him. I mean, at the end of the day, he's yeah. still like a QB, a, a high-end no, he's probably more of a low-end QB1, high-end QB2. I still think you trust him. It's not like the Cowboys should have been a pushover, um, and he still didn't have a bad game statistically. So I still think yeah. you trust him what he was and I will, And I will reference this, and, and it didn't really pay off for uh, Bridgewater when it was the case for the football team, but Baltimore now ranks 32nd last in the league for passing yards allowed per game, 296.1 yards. Wow. I mean. If there is an opportunity for Kirk Cousins to bounce back, uh, this has to be the game where he gets it done. I mean, the other part of it is that Justin Jefferson was being guarded by Trevon Diggs, who we mentioned earlier, uh, completely locked him down for two catches and 21 yards, 4.1 fantasy points. Um, I think that is another reason why Kirk Cousins struggled this game, just because Trevon Diggs is like, he is that guy on, um, on the Cowboys secondary. Adam Thielen had a good game. Um, on the other side of the field, but six catches, 78 yards, uh, one touchdown. You're happy with his performance. He's got six TDs in seven games so far. Wow. Uh, are you are you buying that production? Do you think it slows down? Do you think he can or can maintain it? I mean, uh, I don't think he can maintain those touchdowns, obviously, but he's still getting yeah. the looks and the yards to be reliable. And, I mean, he's been proven to be a target for Kirk Cousins for those touchdowns, so I don't think they're just going to go away. I don't think they're going to be at this rate. But, no, I, he definitely has a high floor. And I just want to say real quick, like, as we've talked about before with, like, when one wide receiver goes down on a team, like when we talked about Julio and A.J. Brown in past weeks, this matchup with Jefferson and Trayvon Diggs is the perfect example of how, like, if Justin Jefferson was to miss time, you wouldn't expect Thielen to boom because then he'd be guarded by the best guy. So this is just a perfect example of that. So sometimes, you know, you got to keep an eye on those matchups because Jefferson was guarded by their best corner. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I have yeah, to say. Yeah, it's, it's it. certainly it's something that we're going to get more into as we uh, improve on these matchup previews about you know, taking into consideration the defensive uh, players, because although they're not fantasy relevant, you don't usually start them unless an IDP, like you said, indiv uh, individual defensive player leagues. But uh, it's still important to to have that defensive knowledge going into uh, weekly matchups. So uh, let's let's get away from that for a moment and talk about Dalvin Cook. 18 carries, 78 yards. He didn't have any catches, uh, only two targets. So obviously a struggle game for Kirk Cousins, like we mentioned, but he's getting the he's getting the rushing volume. I'm not really concerned about him bouncing back this week. Uh, I would say expect more production against Baltimore because the workload is there, like I said. Uh, and then last, lastly, I know we've kind of been on here for a while, but Tyler Conklin did have five catches for 57 yards. I think he's a possible streamer at tight end this week. There are several. I mean, three of the four teams have relevant fantasy tight ends and Conklin's had at least four targets in all but one game which isn't great but considering the matchup I think he has the potential to do some good things this week agreed and we've been <laughs> now that I say this uh we've been pretty good with eyeballing those 
you know, tight ends that most people don't know that end up doing pretty well. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it, if this, uh, if uh, if we hit on Conklin, I think that would make us three for three between yeah. our uh, Ricky Seals Jones, Pat Fryermuth, and now Tyler Conklin. So we'll see. But we'll see. Uh, and we'll talk about we'll talk about Fryermuth at the end of the show. But uh, let's move on to the Ravens, the other half of this matchup. Lamar Jackson, uh, right off the bat, we can say Minnesota allowed Cooper Rush to throw three hundred and twenty-five yards. So. Uh, would you agree Lamar Jackson's probably a better quarterback than Cooper Rush? Uh, slightly. I mean, I think he's a little bit more athletic, at least. <laughs> yeah. Not not bad for a running back, right? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, and then with the pass catchers, the matchup doesn't scare you. Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, you're, you're re, re-inserting these guys into your lineup right off the bat. No hesitation. For sure. For sure. All right, let's move on to the Texans and the Dolphins. Oh, game of the week. So, oh yeah, this is this is the this is the toilet bowl coming up, boys. Maybe if it was Texans Jets, then I'd be a little bit more excited. But yeah, it's a good game. Yeah, I get it. So, uh, Terod Taylor. All jokes aside, Terod Taylor. We need to monitor his injury status this week. Uh, he would certainly be an upgrade for this offense, as Davis Mills has been okay in uh, in Taylor's absence, but. Uh, Terod Taylor was uh, a high rushing floor and still a decent passer in this offense to start the season. So if he's available, you feel better about that. Um, Moving on to the running backs, it's definitely a committee. And Rex Burkhead was the only one who scored. Uh, You can't. You can't. You cannot roster confidently. David Johnson, Philip Lindsay, or Rex Burkhead. So this is a. This I'm firing is a, up Rex Burkhead. <laughs> no, this is a this is a running back wasteland. I wouldn't touch any of these uh, players on my roster. Uh, just the it goes. It, it's week in and week out. It's Brandon Cooks is the only guy. Six catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown for 20.3 fantasy points. And it's a great matchup. Miami is ranked 31st in passing yards allowed per game, 291.1. So if if Tarad is in the lineup and uh, Brandon Cooks can score a touchdown this week, I think it's a great opportunity um, for that particular uh, duo. Agreed. All right, let's talk about the Dolphins. Tua Tagovailoa, 15.2 fantasy points. Uh, I mean, like we said, these are two really low-end defenses, so it's a great matchup and streaming option for people who manage uh, Tom Brady. Yeah. Houston's allowing a league-high 30.1 points per game, and those are NFL points, so that's uh, just over four touchdowns a game, if you want to look at it like that. I like Devontae Parker coming back. I uh, traded him earlier in the season kind of to get rid of Clyde Edwards-Dillaire, but... um, (laughs) Eight receptions for 85 yards, 16 and a half fantasy points. He's got at least seven targets every game he's played, and 77 or more yards receiving in three of five games. I think that's the quarterback or that's the wide receiver that you want in this offense. But let's talk about Jalen Waddle briefly. Uh, go ahead and uh, tell me what you think of him. I mean, yeah, I agree. He had some games in Parker's absence where he boomed. Um, I mean, you feel good, obviously, about the targets, or I feel good at least, but only catching four of his 12 targets is alarming, 
and it seems like Parker is the best receiving option, as you'll talk about Gesicki in a second. I mean, both of those players are worse than Devontae Parker, so I feel like he's the one you trust the most. Waddle obviously still has value, because I don't buy the fact that he only caught a third of his targets, but he probably might, he most likely will take the back seat behind Parker. Yeah, we talked about this, I can't remember if it was one or two weeks ago, but um, just uh, kind of projecting the future that Waddle and Gasicki had once Miami was fully healthy, and they're not fully healthy still. Will Fuller um, is not off of IR currently, and so they're still missing him, but with Devontae Parker returning and him still producing solid numbers, I think that it's kind of exposing Waddle and Gasicki in and kind of showing them for what they really are in this offense. Um, I think they've kind of just been uh, products of circumstance, much like uh, Tony. And I, and I said that before, so I'll continue to, I'll continue to feel that way. Agreed. Until something changes. Um, and then Miles Gas, Miles Gaskin. <laughs> it's, it's a seesaw. It's boom, bust, boom, bust. So 12 catches for 36 yards, three catches for 19 yards. He had eight and a half fantasy points. Uh, he does have a good chance to uh, boom once again, given the matchup. But uh, I mean, you know, he he is what he is. I think he's uh, inconsistent and a a headache for fantasy managers. He's becoming uh, consistently inconsistent. Like even regardless of the matchup, I feel like he could bounce back this week just because he didn't do it this week. That's how it's been for yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird stretch for him and and I don't envy uh people who roster him. Not at all. All right, let's move on to Chargers at the Eagles. Uh let's start with Justin Herbert who's kind of had a difficult stretch recently. Uh 13.82 fantasy points. Now, Philadelphia is allowing 220 passing yards per game which ranks 8th in the NFL. Not a good matchup. Are you confident that Herbert can return to his early form? Uh, I think he can. Honestly, I don't know why the Patriots had his number. Uh, I guess we'll just say Belichick knows what he's doing, because <laughs> that's safe to say. I do think Herbert bounces back. I mean, he's had, like, insanely high uh, fantasy production games this season. Even against teams that... Uh, just on multiple occasions. I don't think he's matchup-based. I think he's legit. I think that he'll be fine this week. Obviously... You know, it stinks to see him play against the Patriots, a team that you don't think should, like, have him locked down and him not do well, but he's legit. I think you got to trust him and just put him in your lineup. Okay. I think it is interesting looking at his game log that he has kind of had uh, a stretch of three games sandwiched by some bad performances. Yeah. I don't know. I just so... I don't buy that Ravens game either. It's a little alarming, though, just for the Chargers in general. Like, they're... Not that the Ravens are a pushover, but that should have been much closer than it was, and we both expected them to beat the Patriots, so they got to switch something up, but I do I do think he'll be fine. Yeah, I think it might. I mean, part of it may come from Mike Williams getting more involved. He only had two catches for 19 yards. He's been under five fantasy points in three of his last four games, and that kind of coincides with, uh, with uh, Herbert's struggles recently. Uh, he's got five or fewer targets in those three games, but he also has over 20 fantasy points in four <laughs> of seven games. Do you think it's a cause for concern, or is this just Bill Belichick taking away a top receiver? I'm going to chalk it up to Bill again. I mean, you still don't feel good. 
obviously you're happy to have Williams because you drafted him very low, but yeah, he's very inconsistent, but his ceiling is incredibly high. So I guess we'll chalk it up to Bill. I think we'll just <laughs> think that's a safe assumption to make. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Austin Eckler, not much to say about him besides that he is a fantasy stud. Uh, he had 10 receiving targets, uh, reeled in six of those for 60 yards, and then also had 11 carries for 64 yards and a touchdown. It's a good matchup with the Eagles, who are averaging or allowing over 120 rushing yards per game. So I like Eckler this week. Uh, you were obviously going to start him no matter what, as long as he's healthy, and he seems to be fine with his uh, hip designation after this previous game. Yeah. Uh, and then let's talk about Keenan Allen, who, again, picked up the slack when Mike Williams wasn't there to do it. Uh, double digit tar- He's got double-digit targets in four of seven games. Keenan Allen does. Um, at least targets, at least eight targets in all of but one game. And he's a double-digit scoring every game this week. So he is a reliable wide receiver that uh, I, I don't expect anything different this week against the Eagles. Do you? Uh, I agree. I mean, it's crazy to think we used to talk about as Mike Williams, you know, surged past Keenan Allen. And maybe in that offense he has just because, you know, that's the guy they look for the most, and that's why Bill Belichick might have targeted to take out Mike Williams. But... Keenan Allen is just incredibly consistent, so I feel like you'd have less of a headache rostering him than feeling like you have to start Williams every week, but uh, it's definitely good for Keenan Allen to see him do this well and be this consistent. Yeah, and then Jared Cook, uh, he's been held under 30 receiving yards in five of seven games. He had two catches for 25 yards in this game. He's very touchdown dependent. I, I would look elsewhere if you uh, if you need a tight end to fill in this week. Agreed. All right, let's talk about the Eagles. Jalen Hurts, how about this? Nine completions on 14 <laughs> attempts for 103 yards, no touchdowns. He did have seven carries for 71 yards, and that definitely saved his floor. Uh, finished with 11.22 fantasy points. This is his, surprisingly, this is his first game under 20 fantasy points. That Philadelphia is rushed, yeah, Philadelphia rushed 46 times, which again, looks like a typo, right? But yeah, uh, that was how the game went. I mean, they completely, I think we, I think we can take the L on asking if the Lions were going to beat the Eagles in that game because they smacked like the Eagles yeah. smacked the Lions. Yeah, that wasn't even close. And I, I still don't trust Hurts just as an NFL QB, but for fantasy-wise, he's been consistent, and I think you chalk this performance up to just them dominating the game against the Lions and him not being needed for really anything. Yeah, so, and we may see a similar stat line because the Chargers are ranked fifth in the NFL, allowing 203 passing yards per game. That's low, and... The other side is that they rank last in rushing yards per game, meaning Hertz has, you can expect a high floor from him given his rushing abilities. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, moving on to the running backs, uh, <laughs> tell me a little bit Tell me a little bit about Kenneth Gainwell. I don't care. That's all I got to say. I've had him since uh, the waivers after week one. Um, played him week eight seven because of all my buys didn't play him last week because i didn't buy it and uh that he'd have the production and i was proven right even with 13 carries this was his first game without a reception 
and you thought that maybe he had value because he was dual threat, but they didn't even throw to him. And again, that's only because Hertz only can be uh, only completed nine passes. But I just don't think you can trust him, even in a good matchup. You just don't trust him. Yeah, I think the real takeaway here is that we saw Boston Scott and Jordan Howard pretty much have identical days: twelve carries and two touchdowns on the ground uh, for sixty and fifty-seven yards, respectively. Uh, the reality is that it's a true committee, and maybe this is a good week considering how poorly the Chargers do against the run, but um, I think considering that they're all just going to be taking touches away from each other, it's you, none of them are going to have a very high ceiling, likely. Agreed. Yeah. All right, and then lastly on the pass catchers, Dallas Goddard had six catches for 72 yards, finishing with 13.2 fantasy points. He is a double-digit scorer in back-to-back games, and he was targeted on half of Hurts' throws. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it reminds me somewhat of uh, Detroit and TJ Hawkinson, where the only pass catcher that you trust is the tight end. And we can see that with Devonta Smith, who we've talked about in the past, how he's you know borderline flex-worthy. But this game, one catch for 15 yards, and I understand that that Philadelphia didn't have to throw the ball a lot, but he hasn't been very good lately. And I think that although he's a double-digit scorer in three of the last five, I mean, how, how do you rank him moving forward, Devonta yeah, Smith? Yeah, I'll just say Devonta Smith like started the season pretty strong, had a receiving touchdown in his first game. There are points in a different league. I have Devonta Smith and Michael Pittman. There are points in this league, in this season, where I was deciding between the two who I put in my last flex spot. And sometimes I put Devontae Smith over Michael Pittman. And I think that's just a perfect example because I would never do that now. Yeah, yeah. When it was less when it was less obvious between those two, that I make that makes sense, but I think that uh Smith and well, just Hertz struggles as a as a thrower are kind of uh making that decision much easier and showing that Smith is not really uh, somebody that you need to necessarily worry about having in your lineup right now. Agreed. He has the talent, but this just offense is not really good for his fantasy production at all. Yeah, not conducive for it. I mean, it, it, not to say that they're remotely the same player, but it, it reminds me of uh, DJ Moore and his struggles just based yes. on how Darnold's playing. Yeah, that's true. All right. Uh, now, this is. I think this is an exciting matchup despite what's been going on with the Chiefs. It's Packers at Kansas City. So what we saw from the Packers on Thursday night was pretty much a a dominating performance based on uh time of possession and you know the number of plays that they ran versus the Cardinals, but uh Aaron Rodgers did not have the most exciting fantasy day, only 15.66 points. Uh but I think with more of his usual pass catchers like Alan Lazard and Devontae Adams back for this game against a, a terrible Kansas City defense, I expect a big discount double check type of game from Rodgers. I agree. I think something that's interesting about for the Packers in this matchup is that last week against the Cardinals, they were facing a team that was is super hot right now with uh, their form, but... You know, they have, like, that team has, like, no playoff experience. And on the flip side, the Chiefs are really cold right now for how they should be. But they have all the playoff experience in the world with that team. So 
it's kind of the opposite, but I agree that I think the Chiefs could play up this game, but Pac, I, I do trust Rodgers against this defense for sure. I'm, I guess I'm saying that more for the Chiefs offense than anything. So are you picking the Packers to win this game? I I don't trust the Chiefs at all. Yeah, I'll go with the Packers. We'll see how that turns I, out next week. I think, but... that's, I think that's fair. I mean, Kansas City has been struggling, and we'll, we'll talk more about that in a moment, but... Uh, just to get back on the topic of the Packers' skill positions, how about the running backs? Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon combined for 31 carries with one carry going uh, in the advantage of Dillon. Uh, Jones did lead the team with seven receptions, and I do expect that number to decrease uh, this week with the pass, more pass catchers returning healthy. Uh but I also expect him to get a more convincing share of the backfield carries. Do you agree with that? Yeah, and if you if you listen to our video that we uploaded on Saturday where we reacted to the Thursday night game between the Packers and the Cardinals, you'll already know I'm going to say this. If you just look at the stats, the rushing stats, just the rushing stats, you're scared if you have Aaron Jones. You're like, what is going on? Why is Dylan getting so many carries? But then you see that Jones was so involved in the passing game, and Dylan was not at all. And you remember that the Packers had almost no wide receiver depth because of all the stuff they were dealing with, uh, injuries, but ma mainly just people on the COVID list. You know that you know Jones was deployed as a receiving back along with his 15 carries because he's just the vers more versatile option. So I agree. I expect his receptions to go down now that they'll actually have their wide receivers there. And yeah. I expect him to you know compensate for that by getting his regular rushing workload and Dylan going down more. I still think Dylan is very present in this offense, but I, it would take a freak scenario like last week for Dylan to ever have more rushing attempts than Jones in a game that Jones is fully healthy in. Yeah, I think that's probably safe to say. Um, so let's talk briefly about the pass catchers. Obviously, we covered this in the previous episode, but uh, Robert Tanya did tear his ACL, and he is out for the season. Uh, and like we've said, Alan Lazard and Devontae Adams are both off the COVID list, should be available for this game. Uh, monitor Marquez Valtas Scantling's availability. Uh, if he is absent, that could leave an opening for Randall Cobb to have a bit more of a role in this offense. Uh, but, I mean, in this past game, when Randall Cobb was the main guy, he really didn't do much other than catch a couple touchdowns. Um, very few targets, just a few uh, that fell into the end zone for him. Yeah, I, I've said it before in weeks. I, I didn't trust Robert Tunyon's production. He was just a touchdown fiend. Um, but yeah, uh, you feel more comfortable, more comfortable with this passing game with you know them actually getting the receivers back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and with a great matchup. So we'll move on to the other side. Patrick Mahomes, he finished with 14 fantasy points. Uh, he's just he continues to get unlucky with his interceptions. It was another. It, I I think it bounced off, and I don't remember who the player was that he was targeting, um, but it it literally like bounced off of a helmet and like threw it flew like 15 feet in the air and then landed in a Giants uh, defender's hands. So, I really think that I really think that Mahomes' interception numbers would be a lot lower if they if they weren't all tipped passes. But that's just what continues to happen uh, for him. He he had 275 passing yards, only one passing touchdown in this game. Uh, the this past performance against the Giants doesn't inspire confidence, but I still believe in him. I really do. And he and despite his recent struggles, 
He's actually still quarterback four in our scoring format, which is six-point passing touchdowns, yeah. which kind of surprised me. Do you, do you agree with that? That's very surprising. Yeah, all right. Well, let's move on to the running backs. So the the running back that led the team was Derek Gore. Who? Yeah, so Derek Gore, uh, I hadn't heard of him prior to this game. He finished the game. I mean, he split carries with Darrell Williams, basically. Uh, 11 carries for 48 yards and a touchdown. He finished with 10.8 fantasy points. Uh, Darrell Williams had 13 uh, carries and a lot more involvement in the passing game. He finished with uh, 17, I believe. Uh, but this is just evidence that there's another player that Kansas City likes getting goal line carries more than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And as a former manager of CEH, uh, tell me if I'm crazy with this, but I would consider looking to trade at CEH before he returns from injury because I think his fantasy outlook is even worse now than it was before going on IR. Yeah, I think people are going to be more optimistic on what he can do in this offense when he's back playing um, before saying anything. I think, I agree, I think people's outlooks on him are only going to drop even more whenever he hits the field and you see how this run offense works. Yeah, I mean, just the thought of someone that we have never heard of prior to this game, like, you would probably have to be a diehard Chiefs fan to know who Derek Gore was coming into this game. But the fact that he split carries with Darrell Williams and got a goal line rush and scored, I mean, that that has to make you worry. That has to make you worry with oh, C, uh, with yeah, Ceh on your roster for sure. Any relation to Frank Gore or Al Gore? <laughs> I don't believe so on either account. Okay, interesting. Yeah, uh, let's let's talk about the pass catchers for a moment. Uh, obviously, you like how Tyreek Hill did. 12 catches for 94 yards and a touchdown to finish with 27.4 fantasy points. But this is pro this is possibly like the inverse of what you would expect from Tyreek Hill. Usually, he's torching defenses for long touchdowns on you know a few catches. But he had 18 targets this game. What do you make of that? I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, I know your trousers are a little bit moist. Okay. It, it is unexpected, though. Completely agree. Um, and honestly, I mean, Hill's an outlier as being like a deep threat uh, wide receiver that is also extremely consistent. Um, but he had a game where he was just like a target monster, and I love to see it. Uh, it just shows his versatility and how and why he's a undisputed wide receiver one. He's just extremely talented. And his speed is usually what allows him to be a deep threat, but he just proved that he's just a good wide receiver. Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with how defenses are playing the Chiefs this mm -hmm. season. They're they're usually coming at them with two high safety looks, which prevents like, you know, Tyreek Hill from getting in single coverage and just beating his man with his speed. Um, and I also think that I think this 18-target game will be an outlier, much like uh, Darren Waller's was at the beginning of the season, yeah. because Kelsey had a very quiet game. Um, who He only had four catches for 27 yards, and that's very unlike Travis Kelsey. He finished yeah. with 4.7 fantasy points uh, because he also lost a fumble. So Kelsey is still the best tight end in fantasy. I think the debate is becoming more uh we'll say acceptable for lack of a better term with uh 
the conversation between Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey, but I expect more involvement from Kelsey this week. Uh, he almost never has back-to-back bad games, so yeah. I, I think he fire him up against uh, against the Packers in this week's matchup. Yeah, I completely agree. Even though it's like a matchup you don't feel better about, um, he's pretty much matchup-proof, so I would say it's just more of an outlier in his production than an actual real concern. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the Cardinals at the 49ers. Uh, let's start with Kyler Murray. And we talked about this on the uh, Thursday night recap, but monitor his injury status because there are initial reports suggesting he's week to week. I know that you just said he's day to day today. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, initial reports suggested that he was expected to miss one to two weeks with a sprained ankle. So we'll be monitoring that going into the weekend. In the event that he does miss this game, Colt McCoy is the next man up, and San Francisco ranks third in passing yards allowed per game at 196.9. I I would take the under with Colt McCoy in the offense, I believe. Yeah, uh, I agree. Oof, yeah, I tough. mean, and I know that's it's not a it's not a high number. Like 196, no. 197 passing yards is not a high number by any means. But you got to think that with Colt McCoy in there, I mean. I know that this offense has a lot of a lot of talent on it, but the quarterback has to be the one to get them the ball more often than not. And so from that perspective, it's not a uh, very positive outlook for the pass catchers if Kyler Murray misses. Agreed. Uh, and then with the running backs, this is pretty much the these are like these players are kind of the opposite of each other. So Chase Edmonds finishes this game seven carries for 30 yards and a touchdown three catches 39 yards he's got 15.9 fantasy points pretty much the only thing similar about these players is their final fantasy point score for this game because chase Edmonds has been a double digit scorer in all but two games despite only having one touchdown on the season so when we said this last week that chase Edmonds had his first rushing touchdown this was his first touchdown at all that's ridiculous. Um, and you're about it's to very James surprising. Conner, so I'll let you continue. Yeah, James, right. So James Conner is the inverse. He's got eight touchdowns in eight games. Double-digit carries in all but two games. But he's he's touchdown dependent. He's a touchdown-dependent flex, but he is scoring the touchdown. So what do you make of that? It's like he could be having a career-high rushing touchdown season. At this rate, a career-high rushing touchdown season for elite running backs and just for any other stat just be absolutely mediocre it's so weird it's so weird and it hurts Edmonds value a lot because obviously Connor's their goal line guy um with that stat line and previous stat lines but uh, I don't feel comfortable starting him uh, I just don't buy that he's gonna you know have 17 rushing touchdowns at the end of the season <laughs> right um yeah I, I I mean I agree with that but at the same time I think it, it goes along the lines with a lot of these uh, Cardinal offensive players that you're just going to have to start them, and because the production is typically there, so you can't. You, I think you'll drive yourself crazy trying to pick which games Connor will get in the end zone, and which ones he won't, because more often than not, it's coming in pairs of two. He'll two touchdowns a game is kind of his like status quo, and then he'll you know he'll have a game where he has zero touchdowns. So yeah. If you're starting him, you just have to live with the result. And more often than not, I mean, it's been it's been a good look. Agreed. Um, and then 
again with pass catchers, and we'll kind of revisit this later in the weekend, depending on uh, what happens with Kyler. But if, if Kyler misses time, I think I think Hopkins is the only one that's a must start, and I know that's hard to say with how Hopkins played last week, but I mean, just given the talent of the of the offensive players, Hopkins is above everyone else in a considerable fashion, I would say. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So if uh, if you have other options with uh, Colt McCoy under center, I would consider it other than Hopkins. Yep. All right. And then with the 49ers, Elijah Mitchell, 18 carries, 137 yards and a touchdown, finished with 19.7 fantasy points. He's got uh, over 100 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown in back-to-back games. But on the on the flip side zero targets in back-to-back games so he is uh he's a standard league beast we'll say for sure and i mean it's reminding me of damian harris i would still prefer damian harris but i mean wow 137 yards like that's impressive it really is and that's not his first week Uh, he's back-to-back weeks with 100 plus rushing yards i mean that yeah that's that's news that's not noise Uh, i just his ceiling's hurt by not having the receptions. So, I mean, kind of cross-apply a lot of the stuff we said about Damian uh, Harris. I feel better about Damian Harris um, than Mitchell, but Mitchell definitely still has value, 100%. Yeah, agreed with that. Um, and then let's talk about Debo Samuel, because he's pretty much the only pass catcher. I know that uh, Brandon Ayuk had 8.5 fantasy points, but uh, Debo is the guy. Six catches, 171 yards for 23.1 fantasy points now the thing about this matchup is that arizona allows the fourth fewest passing yards per game at 198.9 and the second fewest points per game at 16 so i do expect this to be a low scoring game especially if colt mccoy is in at quarterback um so lower expectations from the pass catchers in this game i'd say but it's hard it's hard to uh it's hard to fade on Debo Samuel with how he's played this so far this season. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, and then with George Kittle, um, he has the potential to return to practice this week. Carson, I'll ask you, are you confident starting him his first game back if he's healthy? First game back is difficult. Um, in a league where you have to start tight ends, I'd say you have to be confident unless you got lucky with some waiver uh, pickup. I don't know. If, if you can, maybe wait a week. But, I mean, I think he at least has flex value. I mean, he's going to be better than a lot of your options. He had a tough start to the season, but I guess if you have reliable people in front of him, um, even if they might not have as high of a ceiling as George Kittle, if you have reliable people in front of him, maybe wait a week, see what he does the first week back. Um, So confidence is a difficult word, but I do think he'll have a better second half of the season for sure than his first half or i guess the yeah first few just, games. it's just hard to believe that we're even having the conversation with george kittle i mean he was he was drafted uh you know probably tight end two right i mean yeah. I, I think he was probably going ahead of waller and uh, that clearly has not paid off for people who chose to do that but i think that i think that I think you're right that the second half of the season has to be an improvement because as long as he's on the field playing, uh, it can't be much worse than what we've already seen from him. Agreed. 
All right, uh, let's talk about the Sunday night game, Titans against the Rams. I uh, I think, I mean, we, t- we started the show talking about Derrick Henry, who has been placed on IR. He uh, underwent foot surgery this morning, and everything went well with that from reports that I've read. Uh, in response to that, Tennessee signed Adrian Peterson, who is 36 years old. And I understand we talked about this in the past. Adrian Peterson is the most recent running back to win an MVP. Uh, he is definitely built different. He is um, alike, similar to Henry in his prime uh, in c- certain aspects as, as a runner. But at 36 years old, what is your confidence level in Adrian Peterson in this offense? anyone can do it i mean he's 36 it's a tough role to fill um obviously of course yes of course these are the biggest shoes outside of tom brady to fill in uh in fantasy football i would say oh i would agree because this team has kind of leaned so heavily on derrick henry's production for their offense um and we'll we'll talk about in a second aj brown is starting to pick up the slack more and more but their running game through Derrick Henry has been uh, the focal point of their offense. offense. Yeah, agreed. Adrian Peterson, uh, in his prime, it'd be no question. He's 36 now. Um, I think he could have some fantasy relevance for sure. And I think he's worth grabbing. I I know that their other guy, Jeremy McNichols, I don't know if you trust him at all. Um, Yeah, I read a stat about his... um, He was actually a like thousand plus yard rusher in college um but again as we all know watching these players transition from college to the pros it's a very different game um and mcnichols has good value in the passing game that's what he's been mostly used for this season so far so he has that floor to his game um yeah, I think it may be an issue of whether Adrian Peterson is uh, in football shape right away, because uh, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't played. He's been a free agent all year long. He I, reports say that he's been keeping himself in good shape, but there's really no there's really no shape quite like football shape. Yeah. So I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a slow going to start with AP. He can definitely get some some goal line plunges. I mean, we saw Jordan Howard do it twice this past week. Not that they're similar in age, but uh, probably, you know, it's not difficult when you're built like that to, to do that. Um, they're not asking a lot of him in terms of involvement in this offense. It's going to be run left, run right, or run up the middle. And I think, I mean, from that perspective, he'll transition fine. Yeah, I'll add on to this real quick, just with my perspective. I mean, if they truly trusted Jeremy McNichols, uh, them signing someone is not a surprise because they need depth, but you'd go sign a or trade for a younger running back that could, you know, be the one-two punch for McNichols, McNichols if they actually trusted him. But instead, they opted to go for a 36-year-old Adrian Peterson. Um, I just don't think they signed Peterson to just like, you know, oh, Peterson, go out there whenever McNichols is tired. Like, that's just not what's going to happen. Like, they obviously don't trust McNichols enough, and they want Peterson to have a role, or else it'd just be a complete waste of his time. That's just how I think of it. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, but I think that what it does do, although, I mean, we like we said, it, 
Henry has been the focal point of this offense. I think that his absence is going to create an opening for Ryan Tannehill to get his uh, get his life in order and get his. Uh, <laughs> <Agreed>. <laughs> I'm trying to keep this PG. Uh, yeah. <laughs> basically, figure things out and put together a more effective passing offense, and we did see that somewhat in this game. Uh, it's his second game with more than one passing touchdown so congrats to him he finished with 265 passing yards three touchdowns two interceptions for a 21.1.2 fantasy point day um the rams ranked 21st in passing yards allowed per game at 264 so that's right where pretty much right where he finished this past game um although the addition of von miller and we talked about this if he plays in this game that does not make you feel good because that pass rush is i mean it's it's becoming stacked it's already stacked with uh aaron donald but with von miller on the opposite edge presumably i mean that's going to create problems for the titans who can't presumably rely on their running game i mean this is saying something like that i can name three people on a defense that's how you know it's a good defense you know jalen (laughs) ramsey aaron donald von miller that's you know it's not a very high bar but I know enough to know that that is a very good defense. Yeah, certainly some stars on that defensive end. And uh, in terms of pass catchers, uh, we're going to have to monitor Julio Jones' injury status. Uh, He was ruled out prior to last week's game. No news on whether he's good to go or if he's going to miss another game. But regardless, A.J. Brown, who's been very good as of late, A.J. Brown, you know, basically back in business, uh, 10 catches for 155 yards and a touchdown, 31 and a half fantasy points. I would lower expectations uh, with this Rams improved pass rush if uh, if Von Miller plays, and also with just the the reality that Jalen Ramsey is probably going to be covering him uh, a good percentage of his routes. Yeah, but I, I agreed that you're you're not expecting another 30 plus point game for him, but I think it's safe to say AJ Brown is back. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It, 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 he might. This might be a blip in the rest of his season in this matchup. Uh, you're still starting him, but it's a very tough defense. Jalen Ramsey's there, but yeah, uh, you got to trust him. This, yeah, that's why I said lower expectations. But he is. I think he's back as a as a pass catcher. Yeah, so I completely agree. <laughs> All right, cool. Let's uh, let's move on to the Rams. So Matthew Stafford threw for 305 yards and three touchdowns to finish with 24.2 fantasy points. It's a good matchup. Tennessee ranks 24th in passing yards allowed, 267 passing yards. He's got 10 touchdowns and only one turnover in the past three games. You love that. That oh, keeps yeah. his uh, keeps his ceiling high in terms of uh, those negative point plays being minimized. And then with Daryl Henderson... 14 carries for 90 yards and a touchdown, one catch for three yards and a touchdown to finish with 22.3 fantasy points. Uh, Sony Michelle had nine carries, so he's still involved in this offense. But I think it's a I think it's a less concerning situation compared to the Packers. I th- you know Sony Michelle I don't think is rushed over like 45 or 44 yards. So in that regard, I mean, there are worse situations, and Daryl Henderson is getting similar usage to uh, Aaron Jones. So I, f- I still feel good about him. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do agree. Um, he's proven his value. Underrated value pick in drafts, most likely, for what he's doing this season. 
um yeah i agree you trust him yeah cool and then uh i mean the the downside with this matchup is that tennessee ranks eighth eighth in rushing yards allowed per game at 100.8 uh, so he's going to have to get more involved in the passing game to deliver those RB1 numbers. Uh, he only had two targets last week uh, at Houston, but I think that kind of has to do with Houston uh, just you know getting blown out by them and, and them not needing to pass a lot, so I'm not really concerned by that. Agreed. I, th- I think he can get it done again this week. And then we're going to just skip over Cooper Cup because obviously you're starting him. He's the number one wide receiver in fantasy. He's just an exciting player all around. But his teammate, Robert Woods, you roster him and you were giggling like a little like a little girl about how he was doing <laughs> against me this week. 20.7 fantasy points on six touches. <laughs> he had three catches for 35 yards and a touchdown. Three rushes for 22 yards and a touchdown. So, how are you feeling about Woods going into this matchup? The reason it's laughable is because this should be someone that you trust his production. And this is like, I don't know, you know, we made fun of Kenyon Drake's numbers in past weeks. I mean, that's like that level. Um, right, yeah. You're starting him because... Yeah, he had he did have nine targets in this offense, uh, but he only reeled in three of those catches, so... Uh, I would say that although you probably don't feel as confident as you should, given the matchup, um, just because of Robert Robert Woods' inconsistent usage. Yeah, and I mean, I guess it's somewhat reassuring seeing that he got three rushes. It's like this team wants him to get involved, but they, you know, can't take away from Cup. I guess. Um, so, uh, it, it's hard to say you trust Woods. In our league, where we have four flexes, I'm starting him. Uh, yeah, not really but that's not twice saying about much. It. That, yeah, again, that's yeah. not saying much. He should have been, you know, a high-end wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver one, honestly, after drafts. And that's certainly not what he is. Um, I'm glad as far as a fantasy day he did well, but I'd like to see um, a less fluky stat line. But I'm, I'm still happy that he, you know, he's getting production. <laughs> Yeah. All right, let's talk about the final matchup of the week, which is the Bears at the Pittsburgh Steelers. So let's start with Justin Fields. 19 completions on 27 pass attempts. He had 175 yards for one touchdown and one interception. But here was where his day really picked up. 10 carries for 103 yards and another touchdown. So he finished with 25.3 fantasy points. I mean, with low passing numbers, he has to run a lot to produce respectable fantasy value. We have not seen him have a good passing game yet, uh, or at least like a respectable, you know, quarterback performance that would, you know, give him standalone value. It's always been with his legs. He's either rushed for a touchdown or he's had a lot of rushing yards in a game. So I'm not buying his production as of yet, but... I mean, his carries have increased the past three weeks, 6, 8, and 10. Are you buying this, or do you want to wait on him for a little while before you see if it's legit? Yeah, I think you wait on him. I don't think you... Uh, it's hard. I guess what I was thinking, and not that I'm making... I'm not saying that Justin Fields is Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson passing did struggle his rookie season. Um, 
so that doesn't give you much hope for Fields the rest of the season because even Lamar Jackson at that, you know, I guess you could say archetype of a quarterback, um, even struggled his rookie season. But it definitely shows his talent as a rusher. But uh, again, I don't. It gives him a good floor, but I don't think you can trust him. I think you have to wait on him. I don't think anyone's starting Justin Fields in a one quarterback league. Yeah, at least in a uh, ten team or probably even a twelve. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agreed. Agreed there. Uh, let's talk about Khalil Herbert, who finished with 8.8 fantasy points. He did get 23 carries, which you love to see. Um, 72 yards, that's not bad, but no touchdowns. And on the two passes that he did catch, he finished with negative four receiving yards. So that, I mean, that was a, a slight boost, but not as good as it could have been, certainly. Yeah. Uh, there is no word currently, as of this recording, of Montgomery returning this week. Um, they do have a week nine bye, so I would not be surprised at all if they held Montgomery out until uh, to return into week 10. Uh, the volume is there for Herbert, and you're not concerned with Damian, uh, Damian Williams' involvement in this offense. So I think, you know, the matchup isn't great either. Pittsburgh ranks 12th in rushing yards allowed at 106 and eighth in points per game at 20. So I don't know. How, how, what's your confidence level with Khalil Herbert for potentially his last uh, starting gig? I mean, again, the matchup's not great, and that hurts him, as you've already said. You like to see 23 carries. Um, if you have a team that's like, you know, you got Christian McCaffrey or Derrick Henry, like teams that definitely paid high on running backs but are now dealing with the injuries, I guess assuming or have been dealing with injuries and need a fill-in. I think he's a safe fill-in, but uh, it's it's hard to trust. Not a great, not a great matchup, and uh, yeah, I mean it's tough that this will probably be his last game uh, before Montgomery takes over. That's yeah, because so the the yeah the original timeline they had for Montgomery was three to five weeks, and I believe this past week marked three weeks so four being this week and then five being the bye i think it's a good chance that you see him back in week 10 yeah and i think once that's the case i think Khalil herbert's uh value pretty much returns to a handcuff and not much more agreed all right and then lastly let's talk about these pass catchers carson Allen robinson finished with 5.1 fantasy points He's been a double-digit scorer one time this season, and that stat line for that game was two catches for 24 yards and a touchdown on four targets. Is he droppable at this point? I just... Statistically, 100%. For what I know he can do, I would never want to drop him. Uh, that's really tough. If you, If he's just wasting a spot on your team... Um, and you don't have someone that can fill in for him right now, and there's someone on the waivers that's better, I guess. I'd like to hold out on him, but I've already said that I don't trust Fields almost this entire rest of the season, so I guess yeah. you could drop him. I think I think what it really comes down to is it's, it's about your personal situation in terms of your record. If you are... If you're 7-1, and one, you're 6-2, and two, uh, even 5-3, and three, I'm not necessarily going to drop him for a waiver claim 
Yeah, that would probably also sit. Yeah, that would probably also sit on my bench. But uh, if you're on the opposite end of that spectrum and you're struggling and you need wins right away, I think Allen Robinson is droppable because he's wide receiver sixty on the season, and that's like that's unbelievable to say out loud because he is usually a top fifteen, top twelve. Like he's a reliable pass catcher, but in this offense, in this current system, uh, you can't trust him. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, uh, and then on the other side, Darnell Mooney, six catches for sixty-four yards to finish with twelve point four fantasy points. Uh, he's the only pass catcher on this offense that I am remotely comfortable flexing, and and I don't, I still don't feel great about it. I mean, based on what we've said about Justin Fields and his passing struggles, I I mean, if you have to roster a Bears pass catcher, it's Mooney. Outside of that, I don't, you know, I don't know what you do with that offense. Do you have any knowledge as to why Mooney is having not a ton of success, but more than Robinson? I really don't. Um, I think that I, I really, I, I really couldn't tell you. I mean, I think that we're all confused with how Allen Robinson's season has gone so far. Um, there is not a lot of indication in the media about why this is happening at least from what i've seen so i, I really don't have uh knowledge or insight on that um outside of what we've already said just that like the numbers are are suggesting that mooney is the pass catcher that you want in that offense if you're going to have one um but outside of that like i'm not watching a ton of bears yeah. games in my free time <laughs> so <laughs> yeah and i think that's another reason why you maybe hold on to Robinson if you have a good record just because there's no real reason why he's under like being super underwhelming other than just Justin Fields um but yeah Yeah, let me say this it would not surprise me if one uh, probably not this week because this is a tough matchup but like two to three weeks from now if he if he returns to form like AJ Brown has because I think they're similar um I prefer AJ Brown to Allen Robinson on a like normal like like uh, on draft day that was yeah. the case but i i wouldn't be surprised if helen robinson figured it out but based on your situation if you need wins i i don't blame you for dropping him yeah it's tough though yeah and i think we can i think we can move on to steelers unless you have something else to say about no, that and we can move on to steelers okay so the pass catchers on this team deontay johnson chase claypool and pat fryermuth who we mentioned in last week's show uh, they all had pretty decent days. Uh, 15.8 for Deontay, 10.1 for Claypool, and 14.4 for Fryermuth. Uh, it's another, another double-digit target day for Deontay. Chase Claypool is the only one, really, that in that past game that you're kind of iffy about him moving forward. He had five targets. Still flex-worthy, but Chicago is ranked 11th in passing yards allowed per game at 232 so kind of lower expectations there uh ben roethlisberger has been kind of miserable to watch this year so i don't blame you if you want to look elsewhere for claypool i think you have to start deontay johnson given his usage in the offense oh yeah with fryer with fryer uh he's got back to get back games with seven targets i think he's a strong uh, streaming option at tight end this week, considering there's you know three fantasy relevant tight ends on a bye. And then uh, with Najee Harris, 
Uh, he's just a fantasy stud. He finished with 21 fantasy points this game, and Chicago ranked 25th, or ranks 25th, in rushing yards allowed per game at 125, so I expect more good things from Najee. Yeah, agreed. Najee's a must-start. Yeah, but, I mean, just to give you an example, like, that Najee was taken outside the top, uh, definitely outside of the top five, which is understandable, given the players ahead of him and him being a rookie. But I think it, it it's more interesting to see in future, in the in the in the next season where Najee falls in drafts because I think that it'll be I think he will qualify in that top five. Oh, yeah I agree he has insane production and this is his rookie season so it's not like it's uh, going anywhere but up or at least staying the same and right now staying the same he's doing amazing yeah so an exciting player to watch and I think he's going to have a good game against Chicago uh Let's go ahead and wrap up the show here. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to our Week 9 matchup preview. I hope you enjoyed the inclusion of the defensive stats a little bit more. Uh, and Carson, do you have anything before we go? That's really it. I'll, we'll talk to you guys on Saturday. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Peace out.